to the Past Voices podcast with me, Ben Lane, history teacher here at the Gilbert School. Another mammoth edition for you today as we move ever closer to episode one, series one of the actual Past Voices project, which trust me is in the works. But if you know anything about education, then you know how bureaucratic sometimes it can be. So, Anyway, without any further ado, here is today's episode on the history of weaponry. Just before I go, we were supposed to do a roundtable discussion this week, but unfortunately the file seems to have got corrupted, so we will do that again at some point and get that up and out there to you. Hope you enjoy. Is Adam and this fellow chap is Hugh. I was going to say it's an audio feature, Hugh. You have to oh, say your name. I thought he was going to say my name. Okay, it's Hugh, and we're in, we're in both in your own. Right. Okay. So then, chaps, um, in ancient times, then uh, who's answering this one? Adam. What was the most common weapon to use? Okay. In ancient times, the most common weapon to use was possibly spears because like say Greeks they they formed walls with their shields to protect themselves and they stuck their um spears out and did and killed lots of people um so enemy soldiers couldn't get close to them because they were very um long about a meter long so they could Jab it before they can touch themselves. Themselves. All right. Okay. Cool. Uh, and we're linking in with the uh, defensive stuff. Uh, Hugh, how do people defend themselves against attack? Then Hugh. Well, there's many ways people defend them against attack throughout history. There was barbed wire, pillboxes. There was walls. There was like fire traps. There's all sorts. But mainly people used walls, and then the more offensive attacking. Fence was more, like Adam said, shield and then steers through there, so they're more defended overall. Many Roman great strategies were used, like implemented, like the turtle, where they'd hold their shields up and across, so they can move across the battlefield without being hit from arrow attack. And yeah, so and then they can fortify the walls even more with crenulations and fire ballista and trebuchets. They're more attacking. But mangonels, they were basically a trebuchet that was on the wall. Right, okay, I'm going to show my ignorance here. Go back to the stuff about the walls. What, what, What's a fire? What do you say, a fire? What did you say? He said like fire. Oh, fire trebuchet. No, no, not a trebuchet. No, not a trebuchet or the mango. Yeah, yeah, what's that? What's that? A ballista is like a big crossbow that fires a big bolt out at someone. See, I literally didn't know that. That's excellent. Okay, right, so um, Hugh... What is the difference between a projectile and a weapon? Because a lot of them, to me, sound like weapons. And maybe if one of you could just explain what a, f- a frag is, for example, because it might be it might be um, lingo that everybody who plays Call of Duty knows, but not everybody plays Call well, of Duty. So, well, no, so everyone doesn't study World War II. <laughs> well, a frag grenade, sir, is 
may call it a frag grenade because it has metal inside, but metal shards, and they're called frags. And when you throw a frag grenade, all metal explodes out of it, and that's why it's called a frag grenade, because it blows into fragments. Uh, so shrapnel, right, it's full of shrapnel. shrapnel okay, yeah, right. So. Cool, so what's the difference between a, a projectile and a weapon, then? Because, as I said, they sound well, the same projectiles thing. were used to, like, know to be used, not to be kept. Like, weapons meant to be kept throughout the battle, mm-hmm. and a projectile meant to be used to gain a strategic advantage, like a grenade. You wouldn't keep a grenade all war, or we- uh, all battle, because what was the point? You wouldn't get to use it. So you meant to use a grenade, like a one-time use, with projectiles, rather than a weapon you've got to keep throughout the whole entire battle, like a gun, rather than a grenade. You wouldn't run into battle with a grenade. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, that's a great answer. Yeah, nice one. All right, um, so next question. How did ancient weapons change to medieval weapons? And again, like, kind of what's the difference between the... Well, yeah. ancient weapons were more stone and wood-based and, like, basic rocks they could put together. And then it transgressed to medieval as the production of iron became more influenced in the world. So they used more iron, they came to make smelting iron and make more iron tools. And were more initial, more clever, I'd say, more smart about their strategies and how the weapons were meant to be formed and defence. They used armour as well, mainly a big one, as more iron to use. All right, excellent. Okay. Um, now then, these medieval weapons, you talked there about tactics and stuff, but I don't think tactics changed all that much, did they? So were they still using... Siege weapons and things. Um, so, what siege weapons did they use, and and did their tactics change, or were they still just pummeling walls down? Well, they did. In the medieval times, there was lots of siege weapons, such as catapults. The watches mostly used in um, medieval um, dynasties in the. Um, East and also cannons, trebuchets, and ballistas. All right, uh, Hugh, you got excellent cheers, Am. Hugh, you got anything to add? I would add that the cannon, the gunpowder invented, was not invented until the after the medieval period. That's all I wanted to add. What the gun? What the cannon? No, yeah, the cannon wasn't invented either. I thought gunpowder was around for thousands of years. I thought the Chinese had it for thousands they, of years. The Chinese invented it with fireworks when they used to use fireworks in war to attack the enemy. They used to set up fireworks and it used to travel down block enemies. That was when gunpowder was first implemented into weaponry. All right. Excellent. Cheers, chats. Now, we'll, as we're running out of time a little bit, we're just we'll, we'll fast forward our way all the way to um, the, uh, the 20th century, because from what I gather, you two are pretty hot on your Second World War. First and second. First and second we've got over here. And 1700 and 1800s. We're going to have to skip this, the Napoleonic period, unfortunately, because purely because of time, because we've been talking for about, quite about 11 minutes already. However, have we got questions? We have got questions. So we'll take these questions first, and then we'll do the 20th century. Can we talk, do you want to answer? Yeah, answer? I want you to answer them. Oh, Go for it. Go, Cal. I know it's like quite a silly question, but many people might not know the meaning of what projectile means because projectile can mean something like different times. Well, projectiles, um, I think they come from the Latin to throw. To 
No, that means it's projected. Projected is different between projectile. Oh no, it doesn't. Projected means it's it's moved, like travelled, travelled at a high distance or like fast. Some stones, like they throw stones at fast speeds. Yeah. Yeah. So projected is and projectile. Projectile. That's not a word. Projectile is not a word. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got another question. Fantastic. As weapons evolved, how did people like counter them? Well, they did make defense like shields, like just in case um, an enemy comes in with a melee attack, and the shield could stop them. Medieval ages. They're more round, mainly made by the Vikings. But I would found that actually the Romans had better shields because they they mostly covered up their whole body. So and they were mostly rectangle, which covered their body. Fantastic! Right, third question, nice and loud, so the microphones can pick you up. Oh, that's an easy one. Well, it actually could be two a thing. It could either be the discovery of metal, metalworking, or it could be the discovery of gunpowder, because gunpowder was so important at firing bullets, and the first person who invented the bullet was, like, minted for war. Right. Callum, final question, then we need to talk World War II. Um, in the wars, how would they, like, foresay the cavemen made a spear? How would they find out that there, there was a spear made? Well, it's travelled through generations. The cavemen would tell their children, and then the children would tell how to defend themselves. Yeah, but the cavemen don't know how to speak. Well, they'd show each other, and then they'd show oh, their children. God. Yeah, they'd show their children, <laughs> and then it just progressed through history as knowing how to make a spear. All right, cool. God blimey. Right, we have gone... My brain feels all over the um, other place. Right, uh, lads, World War Two or the First World War, come on, go for it. Go. You've got the whole... This is it. An open forum. There are no questions. You can just I'll, wax I'll lyrical. Well, I'm going to consist of World War One weapons. And you can go on to World War Two weapons. So... Around 18, let's say 1881, I think they made it, was the Enfield, and it was one of the most famous weapons to use during World War One, and um, the most trained of um, soldiers can fire up to 50 bullets in around 40 seconds. No, he's right. He is right there. Yeah, the British soldiers at the start of the war were, they could fire almost, almost quickly as a machine gun, couldn't they? Those um, those, those soldiers, the, the BEF. Right, go on. starting, sir. World War Two. there was many boats invented, like many naval ships, and America got involved to help us out because the Germans sunk a boat of theirs and then they decided to start helping us. And the gas grenade was used differently by, it was nitrate-based, with, Gas masks weren't effective against that, so they made it sulfur-based, and then it would change to be non-effective. 
They also, one of the great uh, battles of history was um, the D-Day landings where the English were would storm the Normandy beaches and they had a double agent in Germany who received the Iron Cross Medal for telling the enemy troops, the elite troops, to guard somewhere where the English shouldn't attack and he got, yeah, so he was commended. True. Right, let's fill in some of the gaps. Let's fill in some of the gaps. So, uh, it wasn't just the British, was it? Come on, who else? We we, we be oh, doing America. and Soviet Russia. Nope. Nope. Yeah. They always get forgotten, don't they? The poor old Canadians. Right. There oh, they are. Canadians poor did old it. Canadians. Fin- Finland. Hold on. Oh, well, they, they, they take them. Canadians are on D Day. Yeah. American, British, and Canadians. And um, enemies. Well, you would have had Yugoslavia. That is true, sir. About the old enemies going to the wrong place. That's right. Yeah. No, they, they, they we we trick them into. Putting all their troops yeah. at um, Calais. Yeah, Calais, that was it. So I read a book about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. There you go. Anyway, yeah, carry on. Sorry. Yeah, what was it? And so they would storm the beaches with the Canadians, Russia, uh, not Russians, English, and Americans. And it was kept so secretly with so many people that they had people called bonnets, I think, or something like that. And they were the secrets of the D-Day plan. And they, ten of them, ten of them died on a ship. And they had to ch- be checked. They used, they sent divers down to the shipwreck to see if they'd been captured by the Germans or not. Oh, right. Okay, so, why was that? Why? Because they wanted to know if they were captured and then tortured and tell them about the D-Day landings. And it was almost put off by the bad weather storm. And then a day later it was better, but it wasn't as good. And then choppy seas... The man said, the man said to go ahead with it. The man said, who is that man? Supreme Allied Commander. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. and his name was, later became an American president. Truman. Good guess, wasn't Truman? That's a good guess. Oh, no, it wasn't, was it? It was. It's the guy after Truman. Roosevelt. No, he was the guy before Truman. (laughs) It went Roosevelt, Truman. Theodore Roosevelt. Eisenhower. Yes. That was it. I remember reading about him there. Well done. Very good. Very good, sir. Well, <laughs> well done. Right, lads, any more for any more? No. Right, we'll leave it there, boys. Thank you very much. Their enthusiasm knew no bounds on that chat, I think it's safe to say. Right, ladies and gents, that is it for another edition of the Past Voices podcast. Remember, you can always follow us on Twitter at Past Voices Pod or email us pastvoicespod at gmail.com. See you again soon. Bye.